Welcome to Data Savvy Educational Leadership, the show where we talk about educational data and all things related to driving a culture of data-informed instruction at your school. Hi, I'm Leah Torres with Education Foundations. Hi, I'm Heather Peltier with Education Foundations. And today we're going to be talking about going beyond assessment data, using multiple data sources to support student learning and teacher engagement. Why would you consider other data? It seems like assessment data really is that big ticket item and that's what most of the school grades and accountability are focused on. When you look at school report cards, that's one of the major components. So why would you look at other data? And the answer is all of this data is connected. You're going to hear all the different data sources that we'll be talking about today and it's all related and all connected and we're gonna show you how those tie together. Another real advantage of using other data sources is that it's a good way to engage more stakeholders. Sometimes you have teachers who are teachers of non-state tested areas and they check out a little bit when the focus is entirely on reading and math data. Now we're going to be talking in another episode about some ways to really engage those non-tested teachers in interacting with and using and appreciating the value of that data for their instruction. But for purposes of this episode, as the focus is on other data sources, bringing in this other data is a good way to really engage these teachers because they can immediately see how it's relevant to them. And then the third reason that we strongly recommend looking at other data is that it helps you get a more holistic picture of your students to support their learning. The assessment data is just the tip of the iceberg. It's what you see. There's a lot of stuff underneath that. And we can get more information about that by looking at some other metrics beyond just their assessment results. The first type of data that we're gonna talk about using is social and emotional data. And there are some programs being used by schools and districts to capture this data on their students. The reason for that is because it can have such a strong impact on academics, particularly in terms of the student's self-regulation and ability to focus and intake all of that content information that's coming at them in class. And Leah, I know this is something that in your district you've done a lot of work with is that relationship between social-emotional data, self-regulation, and student learning. We purchased about three or four years ago Panorama, and it is, so all of our students take that Panorama assessment, battery of assessments, and we've changed it a little bit over the years, but now we have about two or three years worth of data. And what we noticed was that our students who struggled with self-regulation specifically, or normally our students who were scoring lower on their assessment scores. And so we really tried to advocate for behavioral groups in some cases, because it was as if you were putting the cart before the horse. So the students couldn't regulate their behavior and they, they needed, they hadn't been taught. That was another thing. Like there was not enough learning about how to regulate yourself on how then how to interact with the others. And so we were really advocating for in some classes and schools where these students are in your lowest quartile. And so maybe the behavior is impacting the learning because a lot of times we think the learning is impact, like they're already low in math, so they're going to try to get out of class. If they haven't been taught self-regulation skills in a school, in a home environment, especially, or in a school environment, that can really be impacting their classroom behavior, 
were and how they manage themselves in that class. So we were starting intervention groups with different people on campus. So it could be a school counselor, depending on that. It could be a dean in the middle schools. We have a lot of deans who are taking that role. In some schools, we have social workers who are involved in that. And so trying to set up groups to teach that behavior during any other intervention times. And then related to that is looking at your behavior data. So sharing that behavior data as part of your data chats, your PLCs, whatever structure that you have in place. Looking at things like referrals, at suspensions, ISS versus OSS. And you can look at this in a few ways. So you can do this at the individual student level where you look at the behaviors and the consequences that are being seen for individual students. You can also zoom out and look by team, by grade level. You can look at whole school to identify any trends, any areas of concern, any patterns. Are you seeing relationships between some of the behavior data and some of your other metrics that you're looking at? And then once you've done that, so once you've decided how you're going to look at the data and the way you'll decide that will be based on your focus. And this is actually something that we spend a lot of time coaching on in our coaching and mentoring with school and district leaders. And that's because it can be difficult to really focus in on exactly what data do you need and how do you need to look at that data to line up to your questions and your challenges and your goals for your specific school. But once you do take a look at that behavior data, if you're looking at it at a higher level, see if you can look at those behavior groups and identify who on campus has the skills to address these behaviors. So if you have the ability to look at this behavior data, especially in relation to some of that social emotional data, maybe some of that academic data that you have in place, these are all going to be really illuminating in helping you, helping you see patterns and trends across your school and across your students. And once you can do that, then you can begin to identify how you're going to drill down and really address those behaviors. And another thing we've looked at it is by teacher and by subject area. Sometimes you can see that and then you can say, okay, now what, what is the disconnect between the teacher, the student, and the subject area? And how do we keep them in class? Another data point that you can consider bringing into your data discussions is if your school administers career or interest inventories, or if your teachers can formatively assess student interest in the classrooms, then this can be a really good data point to use for instructional planning. So for example, you could use the results of your students' interest inventories as a way to evaluate what's happening in your classroom, your activities, the texts that are being used, look at these through the lens of relevance, and then you can work with your teachers to plan lessons around engaging topics, or even just tie the lesson into the student's career interests. So for example, if you're interested in doing X, then you're going to need to know how to do this. And here's why you're going to need to know that. They're really making it explicit to the students. It can increase engagement, and it also shows the students that you care enough about them and what they're interested in to customize this lesson and individualize it for them. Leah, I know this is another area where you've done a lot of work with the schools that you serve in how they can use the career and interest inventory data to really support their students and the student learning. We use, we have one through the state of, to be honest, we have one through the state of Florida that they recently purchased called Zello. 
and it's a battery of information about interests. They really get into what interests you, what do you think you want to do when you get older? But really the idea was, okay, if you want to do this, how do you get there? And if a student is passionate about it, like they really love animals and they want to read every book about animals and their lexile is lower, that can be a way to help increase their lexile. You know, that's right outside your range, but you're really interested in it. So let's try it. And hopefully they'll be able to learn vocabulary by doing it. And it piques their interest. And and really like to tie this back and how you could use it at the whole school level too, you could, if you're seeing patterns, again, if your teachers are planning together and you're seeing patterns of, okay, we have a group of students that seem to be interested in this area, this area, you can really incorporate that into your lesson plan. Or like Leah said, even just say, you know, hey, I know that some of you are interested in doing this, or here's, you know, here's where you want to go. Here's why what I'm showing you is relevant. So really help tie that relevance into what, what they're learning. And it gives relevance to your other teachers who maybe aren't used to looking at data, who are in the arts and who are in history. If that's what the student is interested in, and that's what they think they want to do, it's a way to tie back culture, the school culture to using data. Another data point that you can bring into your data chats, your PLCs, to your leadership team meetings is looking at walkthrough and observation data. Are there specific strategies, for example, that you're working with your teacher teams on using? So if you have formative assessments to monitor understanding and that's been your focus, or engagement strategies, or incorporating Kagan strategies or AVID strategies, writing across a curriculum, whatever your initiative has been, if you can collect data via classroom walkthroughs or observations and then share this data with the teacher teams. So this can be done, again, at a couple different levels. You can aggregate this and share this high level whole school. If it's a whole school that's your focus, you're trying to shift that culture school-wide. It can also be shared with a specific team. So if you're a coach working with a team of teachers and they're departmentalized or they're an interdisciplinary team. It can also be shared with individual teachers. So as with most of these data points, there are lots of different grain sizes at which you can look at this data, the walkthrough and observation data, but it's one more metric to bring in. And especially if you can tie it to some of these other data points that you're looking at. So you could say, okay, we're seeing an increase in the engagement strategies, and maybe that corresponds to a decrease in terms of some of the behavior incidents. Or maybe, you know, this team has really been focused on it, and we've seen for this team a decrease in some of those incidents. Whatever those relationships are that you're seeing in the data, if you can help your teachers by making those relationships clear, so they can start to get that big picture view and so that you as a leader can get that big picture view of what's really going on in your school and how do all these factors play together. And they don't see it, which is, I think, really interesting that they don't see how pedagogy is tied to learning and the engagement strategies, depending on whichever one your district has chosen or non-engagement and how that ties back to student learning. And so sometimes those are just really easy things to point out, even if you're, even if it's an informal like walkthrough as a coach. Student attendance data is another really important metric to bring in here. And this is one that I think you're going to especially get engagement with your teachers on because every teacher is impacted by student attendance. 
Now, how you're going to look at attendance and analyze it and incorporate it into your discussions will, again, depend on your goals. So this is something that it's important as a leader to be really thoughtful about, making sure that the data that you're looking at is really in alignment with the goals that you want to achieve. So for example, if the whole school has an attendance problem and you're implementing some school-wide interventions, then you can track it at the whole school level and you can look for patterns. So you might be looking in that case at your attendance changes by day of the week. You might look at it as the school year goes on. You might look at it after interventions are implemented. If you're looking at the individual student level, suppose it's part of the MTSS process, then that attendance is really important to look at at that individual level. And it's all related, so it can tie back to behavior data, to suspensions, can tie back to test scores, are they missing instruction? So all of these data pieces really interplay. Another thing to really think about when you're looking at your attendance data is attendance by period. And not just unexcused, but also excused absences. So if you're in an area with a lot of traffic and you have a bus that's late every day and those students are missing half of first period, or maybe you have students that are participating in sports and so you've got a whole group of them that are leaving early for sporting events. Maybe you've got some students that do pullouts during specific class periods, certain days of the week. Whatever it is that's going on, looking at that attendance by period as well, both excused and unexcused, can really give you that full picture. Because even if it's an excused absence, the bottom line is the student is still missing that classroom instruction. So it's an important metric to look at. Those are things that we were looking at as well that you don't ever think, you kind of take it, you don't think about them until they come up that your buses are going to be a half hour late. And so what are the students missing? Some other data types that can be really meaningful to bring into your discussions is demographic data. So looking at things like your students' exceptionalities, English learner status, what accommodations they're receiving, their gender, race, ethnicity, economically disadvantaged status, and again, the way that you look at and use these and which of these you use is really going to depend on your goals and what is relevant for the questions that you're trying to answer and also for the challenges that you're trying to address for your school. These data types can be useful for examining patterns across the classrooms and the whole school. So for example, if you're looking at accommodations within the context of your classroom observation data, you might uncover some interesting aspects of instruction at your school. So it's really about getting curious about your data when you look at it and using every resource that you have to help you hone in on what's happening with student learning at your school whether it is at that individual student, at the class, at the teacher, team, grade level, or whole school level. As school administrators, we collect so much data on students. This is one of the things that is near and dear to our heart is really helping administrators and coaches and other school leaders understand what's available and how all those data interplay and select the metrics that are going to really get you to where you want to go. Because sometimes when you're looking at that assessment data, it is just the tip of the iceberg. This next category of data that we're going to talk about, we grouped loosely under the category of outcome data. And what the outcome data is that's important to your school will really depend on your specific school. For example, if you're a secondary school, it might be things like graduation rate, college acceptance or career school acceptance, successful achievement of career technical certifications. It can also be looking at things like advanced coursework. 
For high schools, it could be dual enrollment, AP, IB, ACE courses. It could be outcomes related to this, so what percentage of your students who participate in the IB program are actually earning that IB diploma, for example. If it's a middle school or even an elementary school, there are other types of advanced coursework. So there could be things like, are students taking, there are some middle school students who are taking those career technical courses. There are middle school students taking high school courses. There are some elementary students taking middle school courses now, or just in more accelerated courses. And so there are different ways to look at advanced coursework. And that really, again, will depend on your specific school. Another possible metric to bring into your data discussions is climate survey data. You can look at this in a few different ways. And again, a lot of it depends on your climate survey. Most of these have different versions for teachers, for parents, for students, so stakeholder versions. But when you look at the data, are you seeing trends that are in conflict with your vision for your school culture? Do you see anything that is missing the mark? Now these, because they're anonymized, are typically looked at at a higher aggregate level, but those patterns of responses can really be helpful in helping you understand that student, that teacher, that parent experience at your school. And you can also look at this longitudinally. If you saw a concern in the prior year's climate survey data and you implemented an intervention and you want to gauge how effective that is, one of the metrics that you can look at is did it make an impact? Did we see a shift in that particular factor when we looked at our climate survey data? And speaking of that parent perception, that parent data, there's also parent engagement data. So don't overlook this as a source because it can be really relevant, again, depending on your goals and how you're looking at it. So you can look at a whole school or whole grade level, that higher level, if you're considering things like attendance at parent events, award ceremonies, parent volunteers on campus. So when you're measuring some of these outcomes, it can be really helpful to look at what was going on previously, what's happening now, especially again, if you've implemented an intervention. I'm working with a district right now, we're looking at improving some of the parent engagement for their English learners. And so we're implementing some interventions and one of the data points that we are collecting is prior to the intervention, what did attendance look like at some of these parent events? And what is it going to look like once we've implemented that intervention? So this can be a really nice way just to gauge and see, okay, is it making a measurable impact on that parent engagement level? You can also consider things like parent-teacher meetings or phone calls, how many contacts are parents getting, what types of contacts or parents getting. And this is something that can be good to talk about when you've got teams of teachers meeting together because they know this. They're keeping track of who they're contacting, how frequently, what types of contacts are being made, any survey data. So the climate survey we talked about, but sometimes schools also administer surveys maybe at parent events or they're sending them home with the students. So any data that you have like that on parent engagement can be just another good way to get a handle on how your school is serving parents if that's one of your areas of focus. Another data point that we recommend, we've got a bunch here, <laughs> and we're going through them pretty quickly, but these are all things that we dive into in much greater depth whenever we're working with individual school leaders, district leaders on their goals, whenever we're doing that coaching and mentoring. But another metric that we recommend is teacher data. And we look at this in two different ways. So one is attendance. And since COVID, there've been a lot of teacher turnover, 
teaching situations have changed. You've got a lot of newer teachers on your staff, possibly. And so teacher attendance is definitely one of those metrics to look at. Another one is professional development. So what types of professional development are your teachers engaging in? And how frequently are they getting that opportunity to engage in? And does the professional development that they are engaging in, does that really align well with your goals for the school or with what you're seeing, for example, when you do classroom walkthroughs? If you're seeing some challenges in certain areas or there are things that need to be implemented, maybe that aren't, maybe your teachers are struggling with formative assessment, then it's good to look at this type of data, tie it back in relation to your teacher professional development data. What type of PD are they getting? Is there a way to really work with them to refine that professional development plan so that they get more targeted PD that is well aligned with what you're seeing when you examine some of these other data sources? So that is our high-level overview of using multiple data types beyond assessment data. We didn't even talk about assessment data here because that is the one that is most frequently used, but other data types. And these, again, are just ways to really help you get a better picture of your students as learners. So if this is resonating with you, if you were listening to his talk today and you had some questions about whether you were using all of your data that's available as effectively as you could be, or if you would like some thought partners to really work with you to help you come up with a plan and dive into what's available and what's the best and most strategic way to make use of this in a way that makes sense for your staff, then we would love to work with you. Reach out to us on our website. There's a link for a free consultation. We can set up a time to talk and we can just talk through what's happening with your situation and see if it's something that we might be able to assist with. This has been such a fast, high-level overview of all of these data sources. There's really a lot more to it as a leader when you think about how you're going to make use of your data most effectively. You're going to need, first of all, a really strategic plan for which data points you're going to use and where are you going to plug those in. But you're also going to need a plan for how are you going to access that? So who's responsible for the data? Who owns it? Who's going to pull it? Is there any transformation necessary? Sometimes the data comes out of the information system and it just looks really messy. It's not in a form that can be consumable to stakeholders. And so there's really a lot to think through as you're planning this out, but it's very possible to come up with a nice strategic plan for data use at your school or district that maximizes how you're looking at all of the data that's available to you without adding confusion and that is really targeted. We really enjoyed today's discussion because we love talking about data and getting creative with data. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you for joining us today. 